Hello, everyone! It is a wonderful day to be at the Movie Cinema Film Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Freed, with your better host, Leah yeah, Russo. I don't agree. We are <laughs> equally awesome. All right, guys, this is an awesome episode because we are doing our top 20 films of 2018. Whoop, whoop. And after this, we're going to start reviewing 2019 films. So we're saying goodbye to 2018. Bye-bye. It was good while you lasted. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be in 2019. Me too. Like 2019 is going to be everyone's year. L- literally everyone's year, except Bradley Cooper. Yeah, except Bradley Cooper. He's done. <laughs> so, should we just jump right in? Yeah, well, let's jump right into it. The way we're going to do this, friends, um, is we are going to do our top 20 films. We're not going to talk a huge amount unless we do get down a tangent. I'll probably have a diatribe or two, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably talk about everything equally, but... We want to not talk about our 20 to 11 immensely, and then our 10 to 1s we will talk about more. And we have also created a rule in which if um, one of us has a film that is higher up on the other person's list, we will just wait to talk about it until it is higher up on somebody else's list so Mm -hmm. that we could hear somebody's glowing review of it along with the person who kind of likes it. There you go. Perfect. So... Any uh, any notes that you would like to make? Any films that you haven't seen yet that you are just excluding from this because you haven't seen them yet? Yeah, I really want to see a few more of the foreign films. I never saw Never Look Away as well. I never saw Mining the Gap. Never saw Zama or Zama. Never saw Happy as Lazaro. Really wanted to see that one. I haven't seen a lot of the studio pictures that people expect me to see, like Mary Poppins and Wreck-It Ralph 2. Oh, wow. Scandalous. <sighs> haven't seen... I know, because I'm, like I'm like a princess. People ask me about Disney movies constantly. Like, I wish I had a dollar for everyone who asked me about the Frozen 2 trailer, which just <laughs> came out. I mean, like, literally, I would have a lot of money <laughs> right now. Oh, that's good. You should work that out. I know, right? I should be like, pay me, and I will give you the... <laughs> opinion but i accept that like i get that people aren't going to ask me about foreign policy like they see what i do for a living and they're like oh what do you think of frozen (laughs) (laughs) like got it anyway what else did i not see i didn't see shoplifters or burning i didn't see cold war i didn't see capernaum neither Uh, i didn't see some documentaries this year i really wanted to see Destroyer really wanted to see. Also, um, did not see Destroyer. Yeah, I didn't see the Old Man and the Gun, which I thought looked good. Assassination. Oh, really? I thought it looked good. I like Sissy Spacek. I did not see the trailer. I did not have any interest there. I wanted to see Into the Spider Verse. I wanted to see Vox Lux. Same. I never watched Christopher Robin, another Disney one that I need to catch up on. And uh, never saw The Hate You Give. Wanted to see that one. Never saw that either. I really liked the first Fantastic Beasts movie, and I wanted to see the second one. Despite people being pissed about it, I wanted to see it. And uh, On the Basis of Sex is another one that I... Army Hammer. He's great. I, I w- Sexy. Bad <laughs> candy. He is. He really is. <laughs> yeah. I thought that would be more of an awards contender, but I guess not. Yeah, I guess not. 
All right, Jordan. So do you have any do you have any films that didn't make your top twenty but almost made your top twenty? Uh into the Spider Verse almost Kay. made it, but with a couple of final choices I had to take it off. Um great film. Uh, really cool message, good writing, animation was awesome, mm-hmm. and I guess that'll be my honorable mention that is left off the list. I think you're going to kill me because, uh, sorry to bother you, didn't make my top 20. Okay. And neither did You Were Never Really Here, but I think they're both really great. I, what I do with my top list... We're going to talk about both of those much later. Cool. So. What I do is I pick more my favorite films that I emotionally connected with that really touched me more than I go for technical best or movies with the best message or movies that I think are the most meaningful in general. I go more with my personal feeling toward them. Yeah. And so that's why. But I think they're both spectacular and I'm excited to talk about them later. Uh, there were a lot of good comedies this year. Like, comedy is kind of struggling, but I really liked the movie Blockers. Oh, interesting. I thought that was I really good. It. It's a really good movie about friendship. Like, the three, it's Ike Barinholtz, uh, Leslie Mann, and what's his name? John Cena. And it's, like, this really cool movie about friendship. John and Cena. <laughs> Shout out Ryan Dalton, former member of the Mutts. And, uh, like, yeah, friendship and and parenting and, like, kind of feeling like you're you're still young, but you're older and you're a parent and there's this really awesome scene in the movie where the mom is trying to catch the daughter because she's going to lose her virginity on prom night and she doesn't want her to she wants to stop her from having sex she literally infiltrates her hotel room and then she realizes that you know her daughter is 18 or 17 that's not a bad time to lose it she has a nice boyfriend and he rented this nice room for her and he set things up really nicely and she kind of looks at it and she's kind of like oh like this is probably going to be a really good night for her. And like, I just want to maybe let it be like, let it happen. It's like such a good message. It's and what we need in 2019, the messages yeah. or the tw- in 2018. I really liked let your it. Kids fuck. <laughs> I thought that, yeah, just, you should definitely watch it. I really liked a simple favor. That movie. I was so into it the entire time. I loved Blake Lively's outfits. She looked amazing. It's kind of a silly. Yeah. Do you like her? I'm a fan. Did you see A Simple Favor? No. Oh, God. See, I wasn't even really a fan of hers. Like, I, I don't have any problem with her at all. Just never really cared either way. She's awesome in this movie. If, you, if you're if anyone who's a fan of her, if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. Because she fucking rocks, kicks ass in it, and she looks unreal. She wears all these, like, men's... She wears, like, more masculine-looking clothing, but she's, like, so beautiful and feminine, so it, like, looks so cool on her. I really like that movie. I thought the ending was kind of dumb. They rushed it a little bit. I really like this movie called Boundaries. Uh, it was Vera Farmiga and Christopher Plummer. Oh, weird. It's a road movie. I love that movie. Uh, it, it got not so great reviews, but I recommend it. I really liked the Halloween remake. There's Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which didn't make my top 20, but I think especially the first the first story is the best. I wish there was a movie about that whole, like I, th- I wish the whole feature length yeah, movie was that. With Tim Blake Nelson. And then Blaze, Ethan Hawke's film. He directed it. Well, we'll get a chance to talk about that. Yay! Awesome. Okay, that makes me happy. All right. And I think that's all my... I mean, I could talk about so many other movies, but that was just kind of like a rundown of things that didn't make my top 20, but I thought were really good. I also had Support the Girls was a late, late Nicks from the list. 
pretty good comedy, funny. That good we will talk about. That's in cool. my Sweet. yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I didn't see a quiet place. So I feel like I should get that out of the way. Uh, I don't know if that was in your top, but I it's not. not. But I liked a quiet place a lot. I don't. I, I don't know. I I kind of forgot about it. Like I didn't forget about it because it's been in the conversation and stuff. So. But uh, but I really enjoyed it throughout and like a lot of the problems people had with it I didn't really have because you you had to suspend your disbelief you had to accept that this is a ridiculous concept they would never make it even as long as they did and there you know there's gonna be sounds and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't you're like okay why can they hear this but not this and why does this happen but not this if you just let that shit go and watch and accept this is the universe we're in and just enjoy it for what it is I really enjoyed the movie I do recommend that movie too so cool. Let's get into our top 20s. Do you want to just go back and forth? Yeah, you go first. Uh, number 20, we're going to documentary. Cool. Won't You Be My Neighbor? Oh, I love that you put that in your top 20. Yeah, it was just a beautiful film about Mr. Rogers, and it was just a feel-good film. I don't have a lot of feel-good films on my list, I feel like. <laughs> so That kind of sounds like you. It's good to uh, have something that's not as dark to start out my list. Uh, it got stubbed by the Oscars. Although I haven't watched all of the documentaries, so I don't know necessarily if it got snubbed or not, or if it just didn't deserve to be in. But if you haven't seen the movie, it's just a good light watch. You'll learn a lot of cool stuff about Mr. Rogers. It's a good message. And just an enjoyable watch. Like, it is one of the best laughs and cries I had in the theater, probably. You uh, cry? Over my time at MoviePass. Yeah, I was in a really cry phase, though, when I saw it. Like, I was crying on a really regular basis. Aww. I don't really cry as much anymore, so I guess that's good. Again, that's, Progress. Why, I, that's why I love Jordan. He'll just, <laughs> he'll just openly be like, I was crying a lot, and that's awesome. Because, you know, when I... When I do the dance that we all do where we say, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Blah, blah, blah. What I really wish someone would say, like, if I'm in line at Starbucks, is just like, you know, uh, my husband left me. And surprisingly, I'm relieved more than sad. If someone replied that, a stranger, I would be so excited. <laughs> I would be like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> like, do you think that you were just, like, in a routine every day with him and you just didn't even realize how much you wanted to break up? Like, I would I would instantly engage. I wouldn't think it was weird or anything. I would just be like, oh, cool, like, a real combo. So that's why I enjoy you. <laughs> but do you want to – do you have any other documentaries on your list? I do. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> – my number 20 is something I'm sure is not on your list. Although, I don't know, you're not that you're not that predictable of a person, so maybe. But this movie, I really enjoyed. I know it's like a, some people would say it's silly, but I have thought about it a lot since I saw it in the summer. It is Book Club. Did you see it? I did not see it. <laughs> okay, I loved it. <laughs> like, I know that you know, these are, okay, yes, these are four rich white women, and I know we're, like, not supposed to care about rich people, but I did, and, uh, you know, first of all, I think it's awesome, these four leading ladies, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, Diane Keaton, oh, wow. and Mary Steenburgen. The crew. Yo, they're- Freaking crew. They're all awesome, and it's really not about a book, like, their book club at all. Like, they, in the, in the trailer, they show them reading Fifty Shades of Grey and being like, oh, my God, like- you know, they're getting tied up in handcuffs. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Like, you know, they act like that's <laughs> what the movie is. And it's totally not about that. Like, 
it, it that's just a framing device that's like why they all get together and meet like that that's why why um that's like what connects them but they each have these four individual stories that i really enjoyed and they're all really different like Mary Steenburgen has this like relationship with her husband played by Craig T. Nelson where he's more of the like emotional sensitive one and it's kind of like a role reversal whereas normally that would be the female role and they are having trouble in their marriage and the way that they find like their way back to each other is so awesome. It's like a really realistic plot line I feel like. Diane Keaton has the fantasy plot line where she's like whisked away by this handsome Andy Garcia to his Arizona estate. Candace Bergen's like trying to date and she's trying to like figure out the online dating and the apps and I feel like that's really relatable for older people you know who are like I don't know how to do this and I'm nervous and then Jane Fonda plays like someone who basically just like she wants to have sex <laughs> she's not as into like she's not trying to settle down really and she's like an entrepreneur she owns her own hotel and, she's like, a millennial woman yeah, I mean, except the, for the fact that she's 80, but mentally, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I just thought it was really cool that these four, you know, these are women that are fantastic, but they're not getting leads in movies anymore because Hollywood is ageist. So the fact that they all four starred in the film, it did really well financially. And I just really, really enjoyed it. I thought I also thought it was well photographed. Like, I'm not going to say it was Roma, but, like... <laughs> Old people have to buy tickets. They do, and I'm not old, and I... Bought a ticket, and I really enjoyed the film. So, yeah, that's my number 20. Nice. Number 19, Leah. We are snaking the draft. <gasps> I'm going? Yeah. I picked Isle of Dogs. Whoa, I haven't seen it. Also. <laughs> yeah, I only saw it the one time in theaters. I, You know, I wanted to see all of these movies again. Some of them I did watch more than once, but this one I didn't. But I remember... <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't love this year for movies. So, like, my 11 to 20 is is movies, like, a lot of them wouldn't, like, make my top list on another year. And this is, like, one of those movies that's really good, but, like, I'm not dying to watch it again. But I love the animation. I thought it was really clever. I thought it was adorable. I thought it was funny. I love... Um, I, I And I'm basically talking about the, the dog parts. Like, some of the other parts that people are complaining about, like you know the the like political references and and things like that i'm not like I, i'm i'm not really even there in my mind i'm more about the dogs like when you have when you have jeff goldblum and brian cranston you know playing dogs and they're running around and they're like you know these these mangy mutts like on this little adventure together i love like i just love that so I'm not like, oh my god, best movie of the year. Like, not even close. But I still really enjoyed it. And, of course, like, Wes Anderson is great, you know? He is. All right, what's your number Classic 19? Classic tour. Um, we're going to go with Blaze. Ethan Hawke's nice. directorial wonder. Um, yeah, no, Benjamin Dickey just gives a, a great performance in, <coughs> in the lead. Aaliyah Schweikart. I think I just butchered her name. I think her last name is Shawakat. Are you being right? real? I yeah. don't know. Alia Shawakat. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get uh we'll I get our so. intern on the pronunciation. I'm sorry. You're such a great actress. I'm sorry to mispronounce your name. Um but uh yeah, it was just a good love story. It was a good film about an artist. Um it was shot really well. Uh, the music scenes were really cool, and I think that's what it really connected with. Um, 
and overall it was just a cool portrait of an artist and I it really left a good taste in my mouth and it was a good film that I enjoyed I agree with you I really enjoyed this I just watched it really recently and there's one scene specifically that I think about all the time which is when the main couple in the movie uh, they haven't seen each other for a long time and they you know they their differences kind of got in the way of their love unfortunately which happens to so many of us and she comes to visit him in a club that he's playing and they talk for a little bit and then she leaves and when she walks away like he stays looking at her literally until the last second that he can and it just got me so like it was just so beautiful and like the way that that scene was framed like the sh- the shot too where you could see him like from the angle that they picked I don't know how to describe it but the film is really well shot it's beautiful there's a lot of like lens flares in the middle of a beautiful field in Texas and you know, walking through the woods and the sunsets. They lived in a literal treehouse. Yeah, like <laughs> it was really cool. It was different. It was this kind of like slow burn southern romance, you know, and it's not something you see every day. And it's really interesting that Ethan Hawke chose to direct that, you know, like out of anything that he could have chosen, he chose that. I really like it kind of makes me like him even more. I think. I think that's the type of music that he likes. Oh, really? I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was also cool that it was from the perspective of, like, this ex-lover, mm-hmm. who, you know? And it was just based off of those letters and, like, talking to her. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. I like that they revealed early on that he died, like, and how he died. Because it didn't leave, like, of course it's nice to be surprised at the end of a movie sometimes. But, like, I like that they set that up so you knew what the ending was. And it was more about the journey, you know? Yeah, and yeah, it was truly one of the best performances I saw this year. I think Benjamin Dickey's performance. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the framing device of like the being on the radio show? Uh, it wasn't great. Yeah. Was <laughs> cool that Ethan Hawke put himself in the film. Yeah, we love him. We love you, Ethan Hawke. Did you see Juliet Naked? His no, other? I did not. Oh, that was pretty good. He he plays the 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 rock star in that one. Good year for Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke had a hell of a year. We'll get to talking about him, though. Hell yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about it much later for you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So my 18 was Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Awesome. That was, like, one of the honorable mentions for me. Cool. Um, Tell me about your thoughts. Gus Van Sant directed a beautiful film about an unlikable cartoonist who became disabled by a horrific accident that like his drinking was semi-responsible for yeah and it's kind of just his uh dealing with sobriety and his relationship with his uh sponsor who's played by jonah hill um and i thought it was just a really interesting portrait of an artist um it's not a story you see very often um like i don't know like besides the upside how often do you see like movies about people in wheelchairs Mm -hmm. um and it was just like a beautiful film like 
Joaquin Phoenix gives this like brilliant performance. Um and so did Jonah Hill. Like there's some scenes that are probably Jonah Hill's best acting ever. One hundred percent. Um and yeah, I saw this film at one of those like theaters in the city where they like serve you food. Cool. Which one? What are the ones? Was it Was it in Brooklyn? Yeah. Was it Nighthawk? Yeah, it was Nighthawk. Cool. Yeah, I went to Nighthawk to see this. Awesome. And I I think I was like blown off with plans that day too, so I was just like, cool. I'm just going to like treat myself and have a me date where I watch this film. So you good. were so you weren't in Brooklyn anyway. You you went out there specifically for the movie. Yeah, like the the days of like movie passes peaks. <laughs> like I was seeing everything, and like I would go anywhere in the city because I was just living in the city and I was working like temp jobs, so I was working like sporadically. I love that. So the only free entertainment I had with my unlimited Metro Pass was, uh. Movie pass. Yeah. Oh, I miss it. Those were the days. But yeah, I this didn't make my list because I didn't connect with the film as a whole as much as maybe you did. Joaquin Phoenix is one of my all-time favorite actors. I think he's a genius when it comes to acting just across the board. He is another one who had a hell of a year. But that scene, and I talked about it, I know, already, but that scene between him and Jonah Hill at the end of the movie. Oh, daddy. That scene... Uh, I think is one of the best scenes of the year. If if we were just going by scenes, and I've thought about doing this a few times, like making a list of like single scenes that I thought were really the best of the year. If we were going by that, that would be in like my top five scenes of the year. Ooh, we we could talk about that as we go along. It's fantastic. Top scenes of the year, because like that, yeah, that's definitely my top scene of the year. One of them. He's so good. Jonah Hill really is. I mean, I I just don't, like, people who are still kind of like, oh, whatever about him, I just don't understand it. Like, from Wolf of Wall Street and this, like... And I'm about to gush a little bit more about Jonah Hill later in the podcast. Yeah, I expected that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your 18? My 18 was another Joaquin Phoenix film, The Sisters Brothers. Whoa! Did you see it? Weird Joaquin Phoenix film. I mean, between don't uh, don't worry, this one and uh, you were never really here. What an actor this guy is! I mean, <laughs> he, he it's just ridiculous. But he's just like playing in a different universe. Like the roles that he takes. Uh, we were talking about Lakeith Stanfield a little bit in the other the Oscars podcast. But like, Joaquin Phoenix is one of those people who I feel like he must be like a genius because of the roles that he takes. And the ways that he plays it with so many subtleties that are just wild. And he's about to be our next Joker. I'm so pumped for that. Yeah, same. Because he has, you know what, he naturally has like that darkness to him where you know he's been through a lot. And not just because you know what happened to his brother, but because like you can just see it in his eyes. Like that's what, that's one of the things that makes a lot of great actors great. It's like that pain that's just there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh, it's yeah. just there with him. But yeah, so this movie, I'm not a big fan of Westerns in general. I never have been. Even Westerns that people say are the best Westerns ever, I just have not connected with. I loved this. I thought it was better than Buster Scruggs when it comes to, you know, Westerns from this year. This has a dynamite leading cast. So it's Joaquin, John C. Riley. They play the brothers. And then there is... I thought is they were sisters, though. <laughs> well, their last name is Sisters. Oh, okay. Thanks for explaining to me <laughs> the title. <laughs> then there is the other the other duo, which is Riz Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal. 
Woo! I know. About it. And so it starts out with the sisters. Br- I'm not going to explain the whole plot. The the sisters' brothers are like a duo, and then uh, the other two are like a duo, and you see them separately in the film going through the Old West, and then eventually they join forces too, and it's all four of them, and it's just like it's like really good. And the, I love the characterizations of each one. I love the way that they portray the old west like there's a lot of hijinks involving you know like you know there's a there's a tarantula mishap there's you know they're they're searching for gold like that you know there's a it's it's during a gold rush like all that kind of stuff you know what i mean and it's just really well represented for me it was really entertaining and the reason why it ultimately made my list besides the four leads is just that for the fact that i never liked westerns before and you know but pretty much besides all the ones the Coen brothers have done, I really can't even name another Western film that I like at all. So (laughs) this to me, the fact that I loved it so much, it's definitely an accomplishment. Whoa. Yeah, I recommend it. What's your 17? My 17. Burning. Cool. Yeah, I thought it was a little too long. It's two hours and 30 minutes long. But it's a beautiful movie. It really is. And... It's one of those movies that you really have to just sit back and appreciate the beauty of, kind of like Roma. It reminded me a lot of Roma, actually, because there are a lot of scenes that are just completely unnecessary, but they're done so artfully that you just want to sit there and watch them anyway. It kind of feels more like you're observing these characters than like uh, like observing them in person, like you're sitting there while they... Like there's a the scene from the poster is the scene where the three leads are just sitting around and smoking pot and like talking. And it's a long scene. I mean, I don't even know how long it it is, but it felt very long, even though it's good. It still feels long. And it's like it, it it's just you have to be content to really sit with it and like let it wash over you more than being like, okay, what's the next thing that's going to happen in the plot? If that's what you care about, this is not the movie for <laughs> you, but but it, it's a great movie and I love the, the dynamics between the three characters, which is like, you know, there's this young guy uh, who's, I guess it wasn't really 100% clear to me. I guess he's kind of like house sitting for this girl that he meets on the street and they have sex and, they're not like boyfriend and girlfriend, but he really likes her. And like, he's, you know, he's like this younger, awkward guy. And then she was traveling and she meets another, she meets an older, I mean, he's not old at all. He's, he's, he's young. He's played by Steven Yoon from walking dead. Uh, but I'm sorry to bother you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So he, he's a little bit older and he's very successful, rich, drives a Porsche, very charismatic, very attractive. And so they all start hanging out together and it's like the younger guy is there because he wants to be with the girl so bad and the older guy lets him be around because he's so confident that he, you know, he's like, I'm going to get this girl. Who cares if her dumb friend is here? Like, you know, he's not going to get her. I'm going to get her. And, And I love that. Like, I love that dynamic between the three of them and they discuss this thing in the movie. There's the little hunger and then there's the great hunger. And this is like something I, I deal with all the time, like just as a human being. And I'm sure you do too. It's like the little hunger is like, oh, I want, um, like I want those nice boots in that window. And if I get them, like it'll make me feel better because I'll have nice boots on and I'll be like a little more confident and I'll look really good. And 
hopefully they'll be comfortable so like I can also you know get a lot of practical use out of them and like I really oh I want those boots and then the great hunger is like <sighs> I, I wish I had done more with my life <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean like yeah <laughs> very clear difference there and they set that up at the very beginning of the movie and then I'm, I'm gonna we're already talking so much about our <laughs> our onesies that we weren't gonna talk that much about I'll be quick with my next one all right, yeah, so Sea Burning, for sure. I mean, it's a great uh, South Korean film. For my 17, I went with Three Identical Strangers. Nice. Documentary. I think Brendan, uh, former guest Brendan O'Brien, said that was his favorite film of the year. Yeah, it was just a fantastic film, really cool. Um, also, an important film to watch with all of like, the DNA testing services, because I feel like this talks about how people used to do crazy things with genetic data and try to do social experiments on people. And I think it's good to always be weary of people trying to take your genetic data and trying to find out things about you based off of your genetics and stuff like that. Um, but in general, it's just a crazy film. I highly recommend watching it. It's an enjoyable documentary. CNN acquired it, so I'm pretty sure it's easy to watch, probably on CNN.com or like when it airs on CNN. Uh, and we don't need to dilly-dally on it too long because it's just like a documentary, and it, the yeah. documentary kind of speaks for itself as you get deeper. I would say, though, if you've managed to get this far without knowing like the twist of the movie... I would just don't read anything. Don't even watch the trailer. Literally, don't even watch the trailer. Just watch the movie because it really was shocking, and I thought it would be shocking in like a more predictable way. But when they revealed the the truth behind what had been going on, I mean, I was absolutely stunned. Like I had my hand over my mouth, and then the people that were involved with the whole situation are very very interesting people that they interview that you're just like holy shit this yeah. is insane i mean it really is it really is crazy and it's a remarkable story and uh i i really enjoyed it lots of, there's lots of good documentaries this year indeed uh, for my 16 i'm gonna go with a film that is not a documentary i'm gonna go with disobedience Nice. That is higher on my list. Oh, so cool. Guess, so we uh, won't even talk about it. Dope. Yeah, I'm glad you finally watched it, though. I'm yeah. excited to talk about it with you. Cool. What was your 16? Hereditary. Cool. That's higher up on my list. Cool. Fifteen. <laughs> uh, fifteen. Uh, we're gonna skip my fifteen because it is first reformed. <laughs> and you know that's <laughs> high as hell on my list. Yeah. What's your fifteen? A Star Is Born. We've talked about A Star is Born enough on this podcast. Is right? it higher on your list? It's not on my list at all. Oh, so you didn't, you weren't crazy about it. Uh, No, I thought it was a great film, but it's just like not, it wasn't like a need that I had that needed to be filled. Also, like I have like issues with it as a like greater concept. Like if I'm just watching it as like junk food, then I enjoy the film more than if I'm like trying to dissect it and analyze it. Mm -hmm. I think that this film suffered from the immense praise at the beginning. Like people, when this when this played at the festivals and stuff, people were saying like it was the best movie of the year, hands down. It's gonna win best picture, and I was just like, is it re like really? Because this is the fourth time that it's been made. Like, is it really that good? And I love love like some of the best days of my life have been Lady Gaga concerts okay like I love Lady Gaga so I was like expecting to like it no matter what 
and that's just it. I liked it. I I love parts of it. I love elements of it. But I was never quite on the train like the way that a lot of people were. I was never as pumped about it. But I like I like I'm with you. Like it's a great film, but does it need to be like so overly like praised and celebrated? Mm, no, but I really do like Bradley's vision for shooting everything like behind them from the stage rather than sh- be shooting from the audience's perspective, which they also did a lot in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, uh, which I like that part of that movie too. But the um the and the intimacy of the shots, like I I really like the cinematography. Like I felt that's another one where. <laughs> You really feel like you're with them in certain points. But we're going to talk about this because Cold War is also on my list. Love stories and how love is portrayed. I'll get more into that. Then, I'll also get into that with different films. <laughs> yeah, I have like I have a lot of criticisms for the film, but it, it still reached my top 20 because I love Lady Gaga. I'm so happy that her, her, her starring debut was something of substance like this and that she really got to show that she could act and that she wasn't just this over the top stage persona that she really could, you know, be this, this girl who's a normal girl just trying to make it, but has this talent that she's buried because of how much she's been crushed by other people telling her, you know, you're not attractive or you're not this or you're not good enough or whatever. Uh, and she was able to, to bring that out and, and show her talent. I really liked and I love, I thought Bradley Cooper's performance was amazing. I loved Sam Elliott in it. And in general, I just, I like showbiz movies. So, yeah, A Star is Born. Uh, what was your 14? Green Book. It's is that, not, not it's list. not in your top 20? We talked about it. I yeah, mean, we've we talked about it so list. much. You can just listen to the Green Book episode. Cool. My 14 was Blind Spotting. Ooh, that is that's one that I really wanted to see and I didn't get to. Cool. It's directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada and it stars David Diggs and Rafael Casal. And I thought it was a super good film, like aesthetically pleasing. The music was amazing. It was very timely. It's a very important thing. Like it deals with police brutality it deals with incarceration it deals with all kinds of topics that are very important to be paying attention to and focusing on uh it also dealt with oakland in a very interesting way um which there were a couple of films this year that uh dealt with oakland uh i feel like this is almost like an interesting companion piece to black panther kind of like Oakland from like two different perspectives almost but did you like it better than Black Panther uh Black Panther is also on my list further up a little bit oh yeah I thought it was very cool it dealt with race in a really interesting way because like Raphael Casal uh I think he's Hispanic um but he like was basically just seen as white in the neighborhood and it was interesting to see it from that perspective. And it was, like, written by them, I think. I think it was written by David Diggs and Raphael Casal. I'm not positive on that. Um, but in general, it was just such a cool film. Um, and I hope that more people see it. Because it had a lot of hype when it came out. And then it kind of just 
people just stop talking about it, I guess. I yeah. That was one of those ones that everyone, like, literally, I have not heard one bad thing about it. But it just kind of lost steam. That was, you know what? That was uh, what happened with, oh, what's, good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also, um, sorry, the subject matter made me think about another film that I saw this year that's left off my list that was a really quality film. What is it? Uh, of Monsters and Men. I saw that around the same time. Nice. I, I didn't see that either. Um, or maybe they didn't come out around the same time. I know MoviePass was like distributing of Monsters and Men, so they were very trying to get you to see it. Um, but yeah, I think it's good that films are being made by people of color about people of color, and they're also aesthetically pleasing and good films. Yes, let's give them more opportunities, can we? Yeah. My 13 was First Man. I don't know if that's higher up for you. Wait, wasn't... Did you do 14 already? Yep, that was Green Book. Yeah. Okay, so your 13's First Man, mine is higher up, yes. Okay, cool. So we don't need to talk about First Man for me. What's my your 13? 13 is 8th grade. Okay, my 8th grade is higher up, so we don't need cool. to talk about your 13 <laughs> either. And my number 12, Disobedience. Cool. Sebastian Lelio's return after the best foreign Oscar for a fantastic woman. So I didn't see a fantastic woman, unfortunately. Amazing I, film. I really like Disobedience. I thought that the themes of being oppressed in a religious society where you feel like you have a responsibility to not only your God, but your family and everything you've ever known to be a certain way and follow the rules, but your insides are screaming at you to do other things that to me will always be powerful and I thought Rachel McAdams really shined I've always been a fan of hers like when I I remember the first time that I saw her in anything was the notebook and I literally thought she was like one of the most beautiful people I'd ever seen like I thought she just like she was stunning and in that movie she's so like done up and has the you know beautiful red hair and the 40s hairstyles and the costumes and the makeup and this movie she's much more stripped down like she's supposed to be modest like that's part of I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't know from that life you know but obviously these women are more modest than like the Rachel Vice character right who's like more edgy looking and stylish and stuff and these women all dress the same. They all dress very modestly. They don't really do a lot of hair and makeup kind of stuff. And and she, to me, she was like just as beautiful in this movie because she was so uh, raw and authentic, and everything was kind of on the surface. Like you could see how much she was suffering, but her performance was really nuanced. So you could also see how there were elements of this life that she liked and that you know this works for a lot of people. Like there are a lot of people in this world who live this way and are very content. And good with it. And then if they aren't content, they kind of feel like, well, that's life. Like, is is anyone perfectly happy in their situation? Like, Rachel Weisz is also not completely happy, even though she broke out and she's free. Is she, like, so much better off? In some ways, yeah, of course. But in other ways, she's, like, a human being who's dealing with shit, too. So it's, like, is the Rachel McAdams character really, you know, struggling that much? Like, obviously, she's struggling with her sexuality, But it's just a nice, like, it's an interesting thing to debate. And I think that, uh, like, I don't really like sex scenes in movies because I think a lot of times they're gratuitous. This one was, like... (laughs) Gratuitous. (laughs) This one was 
but this one was weird. Like I thought it went on too long and there were like some weird parts of it. But I thought like before it got really weird when it was just like sex, the kind of sex I expected, <laughs> I thought it was a really good sex scene. Like, because it was like, it really showed, like it wasn't just about like sex, even though it, that was a big part of it. It was about like the fact that this woman has to go to bed with her husband every day and she, or every Friday. Like that's, um, I read that that's like what's expected of, Orthodox uh, Jews, like every Friday, yeah, that's they have being sex. Being a good Jew is having a sex, having <laughs> sex on the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, oh God, like when they should, like obviously the difference of when they show her like getting undressed to have sex with her husband, and then like the passion of the sex scene with, you know, the person she really loves, and you know, I mean, having to keep things a secret is so hard and so insane and unfair so unfair you know and you just you feel that and these two women together their performances absolutely kill and i just i think they really captured like the pain and the passion and the romance here i agree Mm -hmm. yeah i thought it was really uh well done film Uh, i thought the religious aspects were cool i also did enjoy the fact that it didn't frame it like like there are the, like, the conflicts were very high, like, tension. Oh, yeah, it and, was like, high stakes. stakes. Really it high. was your whole life. Yeah, so that was, it was a really great film. I don't need to talk about it much more. Cool. Um, We are on to My 12. Mm-hmm. Black Panther. All right. Um, yeah, like, I don't know how much we need to talk about Black Panther on the podcast, because <laughs> everybody who has seen Black Panther probably already has their opinions of black panther it's been out for a long time but i'm not really a big superhero person but this was one of those superhero films that got me in and yeah just great performances all around from like some of the best actors um working right now and just gracing us on the screen i thought michael b jordan was amazing um and i thought it was a good message and cool story and it was just an interesting concept and i'm glad that it was made into a film and i think it deserves the praise because it was just like a massive spectacle of a film and it made a fuck ton of money so everybody already knows it was great (laughs) and i guess i don't really need to say too much else i love ryan coogler ryan's great and so is michael b jordan yeah basically the whole cast was great yeah there are some people who will talk smack about on this podcast, but I feel like we'll never talk smack about Ryan Coogler or Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> that if would be. They're just be. in a project together. We're like, damn. Yeah. I'm signed up. Not very wise to to talk smack about them. They're great. What was your number twelve? Did you do twelve already? Twelve was disobedience. Oh, cool. What's your eleven? Wildlife. Cool. I've still not seen it, unfortunately. Ooh, I loved Wildlife. So this is the directorial debut of Paul Dano who is an actor I've admired for well over 10 years now. And I knew, of course, uh, but so many things, really, I don't even want to get into his whole career because really so many things. He's, he's, he's always someone to watch and to look forward to, but I knew he would, I knew he would do a good job, but I really loved this movie. Again, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Carrie Mulligan play a married couple 
And he, it, it's set in the 60s. You can never look at Jake Gyllenhaal the same after Velvet Buzzsaw. Really? I, I'm excited to watch it. I, I watch everything Jake does. I love him, so I'm excited. We'll talk about it we'll talk about another it time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, they play a uh, married couple in the 60s, and uh, it seems like their happiest days are behind them. And he... It works at a country club or something like with he's like a like a golf caddy or something like that. I'm sorry, guys. I watch so many damn movies. I can't remember every <laughs> every profession. But he gets fired, and you know most people in that situation. You know most men who are supporting a family say, uh, "Okay, just got to get back to work. Got to do whatever I can." But he's kind of in this selfish place where he's frustrated and he's really like not wanting to do you know whatever's expected of him to support his family he wants to go fight the wildfires that are going on which of course is very topical right now considering what happened in california this year and what routinely happens because our planet is dying so he does that like it's not very high paying and he's going to be leaving the family, but he decides to go anyway, even though uh, his son, played by Ed Oxenbolden, very, very talented child actor. He, <laughs> you know, how I love child actors. Yeah, never talked about it. Right, it's a new thing for me. So he, <laughs> he ran, you know, he runs over to his dad and says, Oh, you know, they'll hire you back. Don't worry. Like, we're going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. And he's like, No, I'm not, like, basically, I'm not taking that fucking job because they fired me and I have some dignity and I'm not doing that. Uh, but most people would say, hey, I have a family to support. I'm just going to take the damn job. It, it wasn't that bad of a job. It's not like he was shoveling shit. You know what I mean? Like, he should have just taken it. But he, you know, he was like, no, I have to go fight this fire. So in the wake of this, his his wife has to um, get a job and support their son. And she kind of loses her mind a little bit. Like, she uh, starts seducing this this rich guy that they know basically just to maybe have a new husband like she's like just like snaps and Carrie Mulligan like unraveling is so good she's great in the movie and uh, there's a great scene where the kid asks his mom how old she is and it's just so interesting because like I don't remember this exact moment but like when you ask like when you realize like how old your parents are like that's interesting because for when you I think when you're growing up originally like grown-ups are just grown-ups you know and you don't think of like people like you don't think of someone as old unless they're like an old old person with white hair it's just like there's like kids grown-ups and then like old people (laughs) and like you realize how young she is and how young so many mothers were then and you know like had to figure out so much and then here like her husband is you know off fighting these fires and she has to like figure out what the hell she's going to do. And the whole 60s aesthetic of the thing, I loved. I love their little house and like their uh like the the modest production design in there. I love the costumes. Uh there's an amazing scene where where Carrie takes this her son over to this the rich guy's house to all have dinner and he like is so like he wants to just like take her clothes off right there and like she's losing her mind and the kid is so pained because he like doesn't want his mom to cheat on his dad and all the acting is so good and you just really feel the 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 family issues like come right up to the surface and it's kind of mind-blowing and I also love the ending and the scene from the poster is 
great. So it was a it was a not not very uh, widely seen film, unfortunately. But I hope it'll have a long life. Like, hope pe- more people will discover it soon. My eleven was Hereditary. Woo! Amazing performance by Tony Collette. <sighs> is she not the best? She's the bomb. Um, is that the best horror film of the year? It's the best on my list. Mm, I honestly didn't see that much horror this year, even though I'm a really big horror fan. But, I mean, there was a lot of bad stuff. Like, I didn't like the Strangers sequel. I hated The Nun. Um, Searching was, like, a good thriller, but... Oh, I really like Searching. Honor- yes. Mention, so Searching, that was well done. Quiet Place, I l- really liked, as I said before. Um, I'm trying to think of other... Didn't see a lot of horror this year, but yeah, I mean, Hereditary. What I really love is the production the design. Brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, That's right. The best naked brother from the band. Ah, yeah. What's his name? Nat Alex Wolf. Wolf. Oh no, Nat Wolf is his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually thought it's funny. I I wonder what you think of the his performance because a lot of people said that his performance was bad, specifically like his crying. Oh, I liked his performance. Me too. I, I thought, thought he was, was phenomenal. I, he was I think he, I think he's a good actor. I liked him. My fr- I liked him and my friend Dahmer too. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think he's great too. And I thought his crying was really realistic. Like, for what's happening in that scene, which is literally something that if that happened right in front of your eyes, you wouldn't even be able to like really process it. Also, he's literally a pothead. Like he's literally pothead dealing with all of the shit that's happening <laughs> to him, and he's just stoned all the time. So yeah, that's another element. Definitely weirder. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like the way he cries, like he literally cries like a baby. But it's like that's that that's that like really bad family turmoil that takes you to back to when you were like three, right? Like that's your like very instinct, like your primal like reaction as like a as like a a kid. Like he is still a kid. He's pretty young, you know. Yeah. Like, obviously, Tony Collette goes without saying, like, what the hell? She's just so magnificent. But I also thought Gabriel Byrne playing the husband was really great as well. Yeah, and I just, uh, I wasn't, like, look, when I went into this film, I don't know if it was disappointing to you at all, but, like, I had heard that this was the scariest movie since The Exorcist, and I it's way, it's not. <laughs> I, I went on opening night, me and my mom were so pumped, like, we could not wait, we were dying to see it, like, we heard all the stuff out of Sundance, how it was, like, people, what people were writing on Letterboxd about this movie is ridiculous, like, it, people were really... They had to leave the theater. They threw up. They've never been so scared in their life. All that stuff I didn't experience, but I also am kind of desensitized because I see so many movies, and I've I'm I've been a horror fan since I was way too young to be a horror fan. So I feel like I'm kind of desensitized. But I feel like you really can't deny the acting and the production the design. The, the fact that this is this man's first fo- uh, feature-length movie, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, like the detail, like the you know this is someone who cared about every detail of the movie. Again, the production design, the miniatures, the framing of the shots. It's just it's just a very well-crafted movie and I hope this this and a quiet place brings this um this I hope there are more movies that are like more part drama, part horror than yeah. straight horror and like a higher level of story considered. Too smart for like straight 
I like I liked when you mold them, yeah. So we're gonna take a break for capitalism right now. All right, guys, don't that was turn our it off. Twenty to eleven. Yay! Right. Yeah. We're back with your top twenty films after dark. It's your hosts Jordan Freed and Leah Russo. Hello, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that ad. We are doing our top ten films of the year of twenty eighteen. Exciting. It is very exciting. Would you like to start with your 10th film? Absolutely. My number 10 is Support the Girls. Word. Honorable mention film for me. Cool. Tell us about why you love it. Well, this film kind of reminded me of Take a Shot, Sean Baker. Ooh. Mm -hmm. A little known director. (laughs) Rarely mentioned on the podcast. Right. So... Another fabulous Regina, Regina Hall, stars in this movie, and she's the manager at a place that's basically Hooters. They call it something different in the movie. I can't remember what it is right now. So weird that I forgot that, but anyway, so this movie just feels so real. I don't know how they do this sometimes, how they make things feel so authentic but you really get the sense of what her day is like what her stresses are like the the waitresses who work in the restaurant obviously they have to wear these really short shorts and these those are called double whammies double whammies there you go they have to wear these short shorts and these crop tops of course and you know it's a really complicated environment because obviously like the outfits are what they are and it's called double whammies but there also has to be boundaries and there also has to be protection and you can really feel the family vibe and I think anyone who's worked in the service industry I'm more of a retail girl but like the more of a restaurant guy there you go (laughs) that family vibe when you're a team and you all look out for each other You know, I've never had to work in that kind of environment, but funny enough, I actually played a role on a TV show where I played a waitress, a Hooters waitress, but it was called Knockers. That's why I couldn't think of the name in the movie because I kept thinking of Knockers. And... (laughs) And I had like the orange shorts, the tights, the white sneakers, the tank top, and uh, it was really strange because I think that as women, like you grow up and there's like such an emphasis on being pretty or like being hot. And if you aren't that, like, you know, that you feel bad about yourself and there's a certain standard of that, like that means so many different things to so many different people, but there's like a certain standard. And I think like... I felt kind of validated in a way that I got that part like that I would even be considered like good looking enough to do that which is like really kind of embarrassing to admit but like whatever <laughs> I'm like I'm a young girl oh, these we are, dish. like these are the things we like it is yeah like these are the things we go through so especially being an actress because as an actress as I've said before like you just are always told like you know well if you were more of this we could cast you in this but you're not so we can't or whatever or oh if you were this I could put you up for this part but you're not so it's like you know I but like I never wanted to actually work in a restaurant like that because I wouldn't want to be like gawked at and I wouldn't want to deal with the men and all that stuff and I just wouldn't want to like use my like 
body or whatever to make tips no offense to anyone who does that if you're comfortable with it go girl I have no issue with it but for me personally like I was uncomfortable but I thought like being on a set and everything it would be fine but it was still like so weird and I hated it and I didn't want to be there and I definitely learned a lesson and that was just acting that wasn't real and so if I felt that uncomfortable and that out of place and strange imagine how these women really feel these like young girls every day when they have to clock in and like you know it's really crazy like because I I portray princesses for parties and events and sometimes like you don't feel like a princess you don't feel like pretty you don't feel royal you don't feel like the sweetest nicest most pleasant human being in the world but you have to do it anyway and like that's different that's like for a really pure reason like you're making yeah. children happy this is like men are gonna jerk off after they see you when they go home <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's yeah. gross i mean like whatever I, I again i'm not at all shaming anyone who does it and that's one of the great things about this movie is you're you're so with these girls like you support the girls you're like you're like rooting for them you want them to be okay to do well to band together and regina hall gives such an outstanding performance as kind of like the mother hen of these girls dealing with the issues that come up and she's running this kind of like unofficial not illegal but like you're not supposed to like make extra money on the side and she's having this car wash where she has like all these new girls that had applied to work there put on the costumes and you know stand outside and get men to pull over so that they can wash their cars and get tips because they're trying to she's trying to raise money for one of the girls that needs it for an operation or something and you know so she's doing something that's shady but she's doing it for a good reason and you're just so with her and it's just like they, they capture that vibe of like normal working life like just yeah. going to a, a lame place where you work and clocking in and like having to go through the motions of your job and like you're just not happy to be there and another actress I love who one of my favorite movies last year it was in my top five was this movie Columbus did you see that oh I did not you should really watch it, it it's on Hulu one of my favorite movies in a long time it had this actress Haley Lou Richardson in it and in Columbus she played a very intelligent very reserved calm quiet performance uh and this movie was the complete opposite. So she's like the star of Double Whammies. Like she's gorgeous and adorable and has this like bubbly personality and is so sweet to every customer and everyone loves her. And she also was amazing in the movie. And the end of the film is one of my favorite endings of the year, which I won't give away because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But I thought it was really so powerful. Kind. I am. That's me. Just caring for others up in here every day. But yeah, there's like some really interesting stuff because there's like the the competitor, um, like, I don't remember what the, their competitor is called either. But yeah, it's just crazy how people treat you, like how people, people treat people in the service industry shitty anyway. But when you're in booty shorts, they treat you even worse. Yeah. And they just think of you as like a thing rather than a human being. And that, like, when I was on, it's funny because when I was on set that day, it was like right after the whole Me Too thing exploded. So all the men were super scared and super, super courteous. And like, <laughs> like, like literally, there was a there was a PA 
I didn't have the script in my hand. He had the script and I asked him if he could read like me the next like section or whatever. And he wouldn't even say the word breasts to me. Like, because he <laughs> was afraid to say it. And I, cause, and he just like made this gesture, not an inappropriate gesture, but like the breast was like the last word of the sentence. And he just kind of went like, <laughs> like he just made this face and made this gesture. And I was like, what? I was like, what? like what's the word like what are you hiding and he kind of like was like breasts like kind of whispered it and I was like boobies I was like you can say breasts like it's not like first of all you didn't write it it's in a script that was not your responsibility second of all it's it's breasts it's like an anatomy word like your like arm like it's not it's not a big deal and the director was a woman and she was actually really rude and treated us kind of like the girls are treated in this film like she wanted me to stick my ass out like and I was not wanting to do that and she and like so I stuck out a little bit just because she was the director and she was directing that but then then I didn't do it enough and she literally like grabbed my hips and pulled them back so that my ass was like she grabbed me and like if a man had done that it would be like you know everyone would have lost their fucking minds because she was a woman like she just grabbed me and no one even everyone was like oh she's so sassy and whatever and I was like oh my god (laughs) like I felt so bad for these women that really have to do this every day like that's how they make their money and there's one girl in the movie I can't remember her name right now I'm gonna quickly google it because she was so good I have never seen her in anything else but she plays a mom in the film and you just, you know, you you care for her even more because she has a son to support and you just think, well, what can she really do? You know, like this is her job and she can't give it up even though it's something that maybe isn't giving her <laughs> a lot of fulfillment or pride in her job. Her name was Shane, is Shayna McHale. She was awesome. She was like a breakout star, I feel like. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend the movie, and yeah. it's it's also on Hulu, so... Check it out. Yes, please do. All right. My number 10 was You Were Never Really Here by Lynn Ramsey. Awesome. Also starring our good friend Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, I wish we were friends. I would love... What a cool person to be friends with. He would be sick to roll around Rhino, honestly. I bet he's a dope improviser. Ah, I never thought about that. You know, it'd be interesting to see what, like, really talented actors are good at improvising and which aren't. Because that's a specific skill. Just because you're, you're, you know, an Oscar nominee doesn't mean that you would be good at it. Yeah, no, it's very true. Uh, I feel like he's very truthful and he listens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this film is just a wild, like super charged like your heart is beating the whole film type thing and it was true it's just like an experience watching it right absolutely yeah and extremely dark and tough to watch yeah um it deals with very rough subjects and it's very violent um so if that's not your cup of tea then you probably don't want to watch this but Joaquin Phoenix plays uh, the dopest hero of our time before he goes on to play the Joker. <laughs> I love that description. The dopest hero of our time. Yeah. No, he's a, he's an interesting character. Yeah. He uses his fists. His objects. Yeah, this 
the violence in this film is intense. The the just the tension in general. It's a very very tense film. It felt very much like Good Time or like Drive almost. Like very much like you're just watching this character go through like a weird bad time in their life, mm-hmm. which I feel like films usually do, but like sometimes you're kind of lacking though. Like, why are we watching this? Yeah, in this person's life. And you need this this kind of vigilante man to combat all this corruption and darkness and cruelty in this crazy world. It just deals with PTSD, like aging, just like... Oh, yeah, the mom. Kids, adults, pedophilia. It's all all in there. It's a lot. Lynn Ramsey is a killer. I mean, you know, we'll talk more about this later, but Lynn Ramsey... Marielle Heller is getting some attention for Can You Ever Forgive Me, but I mean, the lack of female directors in the awards conversation really sucks. It does. Um, yeah, this was truly a great film, and it would have been better to have a film about a guy getting vengeance on pedophiles as opposed to having a literal pedophile be director of one of the Best Picture nominees. But whatever. I guess we could move on to our number nines. Wait, what if Joaquin Phoenix goes after Brian Singer? Uh, I don't know if he could do it. <laughs> I don't know if he could do it. There's a movie. That would be a great movie. I would watch that film. JK, I don't I don't believe in violence committed upon real human beings. You're a pacifist? Um I wouldn't say I'm a pa oh yeah, I'm a pacifist. Cool. Like I get that there are times to use violence. Like, if nonviolent methods, like, don't work if you're, like, fighting for a cause and fighting against depression or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, otherwise, I don't think violence is really ever the answer if you're in a civilized society. There you have it, everybody. Jordan Freed's thoughts on violence. But that's what I like watching in movies because I'm like, that's, that's not what I want in real life. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll watch the, the fantasy of it. All right, my number nine was Bing Lu's Minding the Gap. Cool. Nominated for Best Academy Award Oscar this year, and it is an amazing documentary. Um, it's just like a film that breathes. It's like wild that this director like caught this. It's like super personal. Um, like the director is very inserted into the film. It's an amazing skate film, also. Um, in general, it was super cool. It deals a lot with race and class. It's, um, amazing. I just recommend everybody should watch it. It's on Hulu. Hulu's so no killing excuse it. not to watch it. Um, and that's really all I have to say for it. Like, it's just a beautifully shot film. Um, it's really tough to watch at some points. Like, it's definitely a tough film to get through, but, um... If you are not, like, triggered by the stuff that's talked about in this film, it's a good film. And I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I I don't even know what you're talking about because I had heard it was so good, and then I kind of avoided all the marketing and articles and stuff because I just wanted to go in. Kind of like I was talking about with Three Identical Strangers. I mean, I knew it wasn't that kind of, like, sensationalist documentary, but I still was kind of like, oh, I'll just go in completely clean. So I don't even know what it's about, but I'm excited to watch it. It's just, like, very slice of life. Nice. Centers around these friends who are skateboarders, 
and like the director was just the guy who was videotaping them. And cool. Like he was going through shit in his life, and other people were going through shit in their lives, and it's just like how they deal with being a man in the 20th century, which I'm sure we you know need about more films, but uh, it's a good depiction of being a man at this point, I guess, mm-hmm. and that's why I thought it was cool. And like, yeah, just watch it. There's so many great movies on Hulu, and I just want to point out, because every time I tell someone this in person, they're always shocked. So if you don't know, if you're a student, you can get Spotify for half price. So I pay $4.99 for Spotify, which most people know that. But if you're a Spotify member, you also, and, and you're a student, you also get Hulu with Spotify for $4.99 a month. So make sure you connect your account because you can be getting all these great movies. For- also, the TV on Hulu is pretty pretty nice. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you can't find in other places. Oh, my God. It's awesome. They have all of 30 Rock, which is one of my all-time top favorite shows that I'm re-watching in between watching all these dozens and dozens of films but i can't stay away from it because it's so great and the oc that's one of my favorite dramas of all time these are not on netflix so there's a lot that's not on netflix and i just i love hulu so sidebar hulu shout out hulu yay not a sponsor if they want to be a sponsor we won't edit out this ad that we just did (laughs) um cool what was your number nine the favorite Word. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yes, and we also already talked about it for two hours. <laughs> yeah, also true. Yeah. yeah, we don't even need to talk about the favorite. What's your number eight? First man. Cool. We'll talk about that. Oh, yours is higher. Cool. No, we already did it. Thirteenth. Oh. Oh. Well. Okay. So we did an episode already on first. Oh man. yeah, we don't need to talk about first man. But. I just want to say quickly, it's very underrated. It should have been a bigger film in general, and please watch it. It's definitely better than the fil- some of the films that are nominated for Best Picture. Oh, please. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. that is like the only barometer to why it should be in the conversation. I would say it's better than all of the Best Picture nominees, except for Roma. I wouldn't go that far, but... You could say that, <laughs> and that could be your opinion. Yeah, I you loved put it. That into the world. Um, word. Yeah, we already talked about it. You're so should I do my eight? Yeah. The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Cool. Yeah, you yeah. brought that up multiple times. Yeah, I've talked about a lot of the things that I like about it, so I don't think I really need to gush about it if you guys have listened to the podcast before. But the performances were just really good. Uh, I thought it was just better than Boy Raced. Um, I thought it was just like a very authentic, like genuine feeling film, and it was just very cinematic. And... Um, it was about, like, the kids being resilient and, like, solving their own issues and, like, talking through their own issues, which, like, I feel like Boy Erased was more like, you're just a boy who doesn't have any control over his life, and this is what we're going to make happen to you. Whereas this felt like, yes, bad things happen to these kids as a result of something that they can't control, and then they figure out kind of how to get through together, and it's, like, kind of the camaraderie of being at this place that they were sent the conversion camp cool i'm gonna do an a to c really quick because uh that miseducation of cameron post makes me think of boy race which makes me think of lucas hedges and we talked about later in the episode for sure oh cool 
uh yeah i i actually want to put an amendment on my list what i would have put ben is back somewhere between 11 and 20 whoa for sure yeah i which we already talked about it so i won't get into it we did a whole episode on it if you want to listen to it but yeah i definitely would have put that in there i think that movie was really underrated too so anyway just amazing and honey boy you guys will all see that very soon can't wait i think it's coming to something in march just a sidebar julia roberts in ben is back is better than a lot of a lot of other performances people are talking about and and lucas was much better in that than he was in boy erase just saying anyway truth okay truth will set you free yes um all right my number seven was the favorite. Cool. Anything We've else you want to say about it? A ton. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's going to win any Oscars, but I oh, hope it'll it definitely win something. Something. You don't think it'll literally win nothing? Um, I hope it doesn't. I thought it was one of the most complete films that was nominated for things, um, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a very relevant film and a very funny film I laughed out loud so much of that probably the most I've laughed at any film I saw Mm -hmm. in the theaters yeah from the screenplay to the performances the three leads are fantastic as is uh, what's his name Nicholas Holt the production design the costumes the framing you know the different things they did with cinematography the wide angle lens the fisheye uh, you know the, the compelling story everything really I mean it's just a good movie, but we, again, talked about it at length, so go listen to that episode if you're I, curious. I think, like, there's some select films on this list that are, like, classics, and I think that'll go down as a classic. Yeah, I, I think- definitely, like, I haven't watched it again yet, but that's one that I definitely, like, I would like to watch again, and I would very much enjoy watching again. Yeah. I think it's been perfectly rated in award season I think it's getting the perfect amount of love yeah and the it only won more love is maybe acting awards or screenplay awards but well it won a lot of BAFTAs like it won it won best actress and supporting actress at BAFTAs so even if you know they I mean I don't think they're gonna win at, at the Oscars for that but they got something yeah for sure and they're both the Rachel Vice is British right yeah I think so so and I know Olivia Coleman is so they both you know that's their home country and they won there so that's pretty yeah. awesome very cool. What was your seven? Seven. Shoplifters. Cool. I didn't see it. So. We'll just. Wow, this movie. Crawl into a hole so <laughs> that you don't ruin anything for me. No, I won't ruin anything. It, this is nominated in the best foreign film category for, for very good reason. It is about this impoverished family that lives in this tiny house somewhere in Japan. And it's like a grandma. Uh, a married couple a little boy uh, uh like a teen not teenager she's maybe like 21 and they all live in very close quarters the production design is, design is awesome it's like such a good messy like uh lived in crowded little tiny house and the father uh takes the little boy out shoplifting to supplement their income and it's i don't know why they're so poor because almost everyone in the household either receives money from some like social security or or scam or they have jobs so i don't 
I don't know why they're like so in dire straits because on top of it, they shoplift. So they don't have to pay for a lot of the things. And then they also sell a lot of the things that they steal. So I'm not sure why, but I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a good comment on like how poor people are, like how much people are really struggling in the world. You know, I can't even say in this economy because it's not America, but you know, obviously these same issues, the economy is global. (laughs) Right. Uh, and it's like, you know, just seeing all these people working so hard individually and they still are so impoverished, you know, it's heartbreaking. And, Uh, one day when the the boy and the father are coming home they see this little girl who they've seen before and it's like freezing outside and she's outside by herself and so they bring her home just intending like that they would just have her home for the have her over for the night but they end up keeping her and and just like what this movie says about family and like how you can choose your family it doesn't necessarily have to be your real family your blood family and how, you know, maybe your blood family is awful to you, but other people are kind to you, and that can be your family. And there's a scene between the wife and the little girl that they that ends up living there. And, um, you know, the little girl is, is neglected, and, and um, they sense... The reason that they keep her is because they sense that there's abuse. Like, they try to bring her home, and it's, like, a disaster. So, um, you know, like, the love between them is really beautiful and like she tries to tell her you know that that you know hitting is not love and like abuse is not love and like you know when someone loves you they they hug you and when someone loves you they do this and that and it's like really beautiful there's a another beautiful beach scene not quite as great as Roma's but up there definitely beautiful and I completely understand why this movie's been so pretty much universally across the board. I mean, it's like 100% or on tomatoes or something or like 96. So, yeah, it's really I think I just unplugged something. There we go. Cool, power's back. Yay. It's 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 very 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 beautiful film. So, I recommend it. Cool. What's your six? Leave no trace. Cool. This was an honorable mention that ended up leaving off. So, Leave No Trace. Wow, I've always been a fan of Ben Foster, literally since Flash Forward. Shout out to my 90s Disney Channel fans. <laughs> he is so good in this, as is the the girl who plays his daughter, whose name I can't remember right now. But sh- they were both phenomenal, understated performances. Very, very, very understated. Very subtle uh, you know, it's about a a vet who is has a lot of PTSD and is struggling immensely, and he decides to live this alternate lifestyle with his daughter, who's a teenager, and you know they he wants to be completely off the grid. They basically just want everybody to leave them alone and let them live how they want to live, but that isn't really possible because they're living on land that isn't really theirs and you know there's also an issue of well you're taking care of a minor and is this the best thing for her and he's able to get housing because he's a veteran and so it's you know offered you know modest housing is offered but he doesn't want to live in the world he doesn't want to be a member of society and that uh question that they ask in the movie is like okay this is what you need to do but is this what your daughter needs to do and is this 
you know, she's she's grown up with you, so she thinks this is the best thing, but then she kind of starts to have her mind of her own and says, well, maybe we could maybe we could just do this the normal way for maybe this one time or whatever, and he can't. And I think the realization of his pain doesn't have to be her pain. And, like, part of him was, like, destroyed during the war, but she's, like, this new person that doesn't have yeah. that pain yet and doesn't have whatever's going to happen to her in her life, which something will happen to her, but, like, his pain is not her pain, and, like, she doesn't have to have that same kind of existence. And that... The, that the way they show that like the love between them but also like the differences between them and like accepting those differences and this is this another ending that I just loved so much the acting is so powerful the way they look at each other even like it's all in their eyes and on their face just beautiful performances what yeah. did you think of it I thought it was a great film um there were aspects of it that I like just didn't feel it Okay. Which I was like, damn. Because like, I really liked a lot of aspects of the film, but there were some things that take, took me out of it. I don't know if I didn't love his performance, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were just aspects of it that I was like, eh. Like, after watching it, it was a really great film. Maybe I needed to take a second watch on it, to mm-hmm. be honest. Because like I really did like a lot of it, and that actress was amazing. Yeah, her name is Thomason McKenzie, actually. And this was also directed by a woman. So Deborah Granick? Yeah. yeah. So I'm happy that it got the attention that it did, but maybe a little bit more would have been nice. Indeed. So are we at... Did you say you're six? Nope. Eighth grade. Woo-hoo, eighth grade. I loved eighth grade. It was such a beautiful film. Um, it also... Like, Bo Burnham is around my age, so it was cool to see a filmmaker, like, making things from the perspective of, like, living in the same internet age and kind of how that's affected him and then, like, looking how it affects kids now. Like, he's already an old man in internet terms. (laughs) And it was just very cool to watch this film where Elsie Fisher just got to be a star and kill it and played really well all the kids were really great actors and they were all really quirky and interesting it was funny heartbreaking and probably the best portrait of like white childhood josh (laughs) hamilton was great in it too what josh hamilton oh yeah he was great the father was amazing i that's one of my favorite elements of the movie is like being a single father to a 14 year old and being like I don't know what the hell to do with her <laughs> you know I don't know what to say yeah. and the the scene between them by the fire is so beautiful and so powerful and I think Elsie Fisher's gonna have an awesome career if she decides to and so will Bo Burnham yeah I look forward to what Bo Burnham does next mm-hmm. um, his stand up feels a little cheesy to me because he's just so good <laughs> like it's not fun to watch him anymore because like he used to be like funny like this cute guy in his like room and now it's just like oh this dude is just like hot shit doing like a one man show where he's just like I'm amazing like I'd rather watch authentic stuff where it's just like wow there's heart in this mm-hmm. and it was really a pleasure to get to see that in 8th grade like see what Bo Burnham's heart was and like what he really cares about and what he really feels yeah I wonder if he's gonna direct another movie right away or is he in production of something yet i'm not sure 
I guess we'll see. I mean, I'll be very excited to see whatever he does next. Oh, for sure. I'll be there instantly. Mm-hmm. He has sold me that he is a filmmaker. Did I tell the story about... I think I did tell the story on here, like, about myself in eighth grade, like, at the pool party and everything. I don't know if you... Did you? Yeah. I'm not sure if If I didn't tell that story on here, I definitely told you, so I won't get into it again. But, like, the fact that they used a pool party was just so perfect. Like, so much trauma happens at teenage pool parties. Like, people Uh, don't understand. I just didn't get invited to teenage pool parties. You didn't? Not at that age. I would have invited you to mine. Well, you didn't. We lived in the town next to each other, and you chose not to invite me to your pool parties. I didn't have a pool. My friend had a pool, though. She had the big, nice house. I had not a nice... I mean, my house was fine, but, like, not. I didn't have a pool. It's fine. It's fine. You should have invited me to your friend's pool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are we on number five? Yeah. Wow, top five. What's your top five? What's your... Madeline's Madeline. Wow, really? By Josephine Baker. Yeah. Interesting. It okay. was just a very experimental film. It was about like acting and theater and art and like your relationships with your parents, your relationships with your mentors. And like this just felt very personal to me and just like dealing with theater, dealing with the people who aren't like in the artistic sphere. Um, and like how they view your art and how they influence your art and how like you have to keep your personal life and your private life separate. And then there was also this whole race factor in the film. It's pretty, it's really cool. Um, I, if you're like an acting person or an acting adjacent person you've ever done theater in your life you've ever been around actors or been friends to actors like this is a really fascinating film and the way it's shot is super interesting and i highly recommend it to people it's another female director and only four percent of films are made by female directors in hollywood land so you should get out and support it give it some streams well let me say i uh you're so right about the theater like this captured the weirdness of being in a theater group. <laughs> totally. And the weird things you have to do as an actress too, like the, you know, like the meowing and everything that I remember one of my first acting, my first like real serious acting class outside in New York city. One of the first days the teacher said, I need a volunteer. And I like prided myself on the fact that I was this kid that was like, an actress and I was like outgoing and like I could act anything and it didn't matter what the hell he wanted me to do I would do anything and it was fine and I could do it and so I volunteered and he was like okay I want you to convincingly like as if you were hired to really play this part play a lion like go (laughs) and I was like oh my god like I was so I'm I'm like really young I'm, I'm like embarrassed like mortified like I have no idea I'm like, should I should I be like a like a lion like in the Wizard of Oz or should I be like a real lion? <laughs> like, should I talk or should I be like a literally a jungle cat? You know, like and I just like got on all fours and I like you know, like roared and like licked my hand and like all that, you know what I mean? And like 
that's the kind of stuff that you really do. Those are the exercises you really do, like when you're in theater groups and stuff. And I wasn't crazy about this film. Like I truly didn't know what was going on most of the time. <laughs> but I guess that was like the point. I did like how they shot New York, though. Yeah, it was very cool how they shot New York. And the lead actress, wow, she is amazing. She's gorgeous, and she was so yeah, she was so good. What was your five? Cold War. Cool. I haven't seen it, so don't talk about it too much. I loved it, and I'm so happy, so happy that I got a cinematography nomination and didn't just hang out in the foreign film category because this cinematography, oh my god, oh my god, every frame I loved. Especially the the way they shot any musical sequence, any performance, whether it was the way they... There's a shot of a drummer. Oh, beautiful. So good. The way they shot all the times that she was singing. And I love the way that they portray love here. Because it has a lot of time jumps. Oh, cool. And it's not so literal. Like, you don't have to see every second of everything that happens between these two people. Because if you're a human being and you're over the age of 10, like, you've been in love, right? So it's like, you know what goes on and you don't... don't... say over the age of 10. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean. Like, Like, if you're a human being, like, you understand. If you're an adult watching a movie, like, you understand. So it's like... They don't need to show everything. They just show the most perfect, like, spurts of these moments between these two people. And the, the, the there's a key element in the beginning. Did you did you watch the part? Because I don't think this is really a spoiler, but the... I wasn't watching it close enough, so that's more the issue, is that I had to stop it because I was like, I can't focus on this right now. Oh, because you have to, like, literally read, to read it? read, yeah. Yeah, well, there's, you know, things that happen in this girl's past that shape who you are, and, like, it's also... It's a love story, 100%, but it's also about abuse and, like, how that affects the rest of your life and how it affects your relationships. And the the way that they have they have their relationship and it's clearly like even when they're not together they still very much I hesitate to use the phrase like belong to one another because that's almost sounds like it's like your property or something but like they clearly it's that kind of relationship where they know right away that like this is the person for them and even if they can't be together for this moment in time because of like what's going on in the world or what's going on in their own lives like they are still so connected and so you know there's a lot of time jumps so there's moments where they're together and then there's moments where they can't be together and there's moments where they're together and then there's moments where they're torn apart and so one of them's dating someone else or they both are or one of them gets married or whatever but as soon as they see each other it's like nothing ever had like no time ever went by because it's like their soul like their soulmates if you that might sound cheesy but it's like that kind of concept but it's not played in a cheesy way it's not not hokey at all it's like very very real and like so romantic and sexy and I really liked La La Land but I feel like this is almost like a better La La Land because it deals with those same themes of like you love someone but maybe you can't be with them right now and I truly didn't know and it also has the music element too which is like something very personal to me so it's like has all those elements but it's so so artfully created there's not one moment that feels out of place And what I love is that it's succinct. Like, it's 90 minutes long. 
I'm sorry, I, I loved Burning. It didn't need to be two and a half hours. Very few movies, I feel like, need to be two and a half hours. And it's like nice to sit with a movie and let it fan out over that amount of time. But this movie got to its point. You knew exactly what it was. I didn't know if it was going to be a happy ending or not. I didn't know if they were going to end up together or they were not going to end up together. I genuinely didn't know. And that was really exciting. And seeing how it all ended up was so wonderful. Like, I loved letting the story unfold throughout so many years like it's a it's a movie that spans like these people's life so it's really I love those kinds of movies and you really get to travel with them through all these different phases and they spend just enough time in each phase it's not like dragged out at all and they really this guy like he knew how to tell the story the cinematographer was brilliant Oh my god, there's the scene where they get back together and they're dancing in this like empty bar. This oh my god, it's so beautifully shot. It's like it, it would be a thrill to watch with no sound. But I also love the script. Again, like the dialogue is succinct. That's one thing about Stars Born. The dialogue is not succinct. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of them just talking hey. to each other. Hey. Oh oh god, Bradley. Hey. Bradley, what did you think of Cold War? I just wanted to look at you. I know, but I was trying to watch Cold War, so... Hey, I just wanted to look at you. You should have looked at um, Cold War. It was a great movie. I can't read. Oh, wow. I, I That's surprising. You're like a privileged white rich man. I would think you could hire someone to tutor you. I can't read, and they're speaking a different language in the background. Right. Well... Yeah, I mean it's more of the foreground because it's it's a it's a Polish film, so it's you know that's that the background of my thinking. Right. Uh, wow, I, I wish Jordan would come back from the bathroom because this is a little awkward to talk Whoa, about a movie. What Bradley Cooper was back in here? He is obsessed with me. It's just become creepy. It's really. I knew he was a perv, but now I really know he's a perv. Yeah, he he just like I tried to you know, show him some of Cold War, but he just, you know, wanted to look at me. So that was awkward, That's but... really weird. Why is he looking at us all the time? We're I, not, like, an object to be watched. Yeah, I mean, he just always wants to take another look at me. It's like, I, I get it, you know? I'll send you a photo or something. How about we name your fourth? <laughs> right. I don't remember what I was saying now, but, uh, yeah, I loved, I absolutely loved Cold War. I really recommend it. Please watch it. My number four is Roma. <laughs> cool. We'll skip it. My number four is Sorry to Bother You. All right. Uh, have I talked about this film yet on here, on this podcast? No, I don't you've, I never, you've never mentioned it. I don't, I don't even... Have it, but did I actually get into talking about it? I, I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I, well, yeah, you've talked about... Well, I don't know. I can't remember from our personal conversations that haven't been recorded. <laughs> I love this film. I love how much you love it. It was fantastic. It was probably the best script of the year. I would say it's the best script of the year. And it was just a wild film. If you haven't watched it yet, it's on Hulu. Shout out Hulu. Lakeith Stanfield, greatest working actor, greatest living actor, one of them. Tessa Thompson, one of the greatest living actors right now. Uh, Steve Yuen, Steve Yoon, uh, also one of the best actors right now and they just enter Boots Riley's Oakland which I guess goes into uh, Blind Spotting and Black Panther and just the importance of Oakland 
in America and just what's happened to Oakland as a city. Um, this film is uno- uh, unapologetically um, just a love story for unions and just like organized labor, which is probably one of the reasons why it hasn't been as successful mainstream because people probably want to keep it down. Uh, Army Hammer is amazing in this film. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, He has like this weird horror or gore kind of side to him. You'll see it in Wounds. But like he's kind of also along with like the more prestige and like big deal films that he's been doing. He's been also been, been doing some like really weird films. Uh, and overall, this film made me laugh a lot. It's a really good message. Cool film. I just want to shout out Tessa Thompson's earrings. Oh, my God. Tessa Thompson's earrings are amazing in this film. And her whole outfits and, like, her whole um, face and body. And not to be a perv, but she's gorgeous. And uh, just but her whole look in this movie is awesome. Honestly, like, this is, yeah, she, she just the whole essence of her character was just amazing. And just the production design was amazing. Terry Crews is super funny. In this. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly wish I had the time to watch this film again because it probably would have made my top twenty. It's it was really great. I love the visual effects. It is a lot better on the second watch. Really? Too. Like once you know what's gonna go down, then you could like enjoy things as they're happening more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love Tessa's character. Like, I love all of her characters. Every time I see her on screen, it's better than the last time. And she's going to have such an unreal career. I, I think, you know, she, I think in the next few years we're going to see her nominated for Oscars. You know, we're going to see her really... Are you going to be talking about her later in your rankings? Yeah. Okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, I... Because I actually am not. Oh. <laughs> I think that should have been an honorable mention for me, but I left it off. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about Creed? No, Annihilation. Oh, 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 okay, is yeah. Annihilation still on your list? It is, is yeah. Creed on your list too? Well, I had, see, I, the thing is, I, I'm going to make another amendment that Creed would have been in there. Creed 2 actually was in my top 10 for a long time. Then I moved it to my 20, 11 through 20, but then I erased it and I, because I was like, oh, I'm not going to have a sequel because I wanted that to kind of be like a separate thing. But yeah. then I didn't watch other sequels, really. <laughs> so, but yeah, Creed is is one of my favorite movies of the year. If you want to hear me talk endlessly, like way too much Go about to the Creed it, episode. Yeah, I mean, it's just me like losing my mind over Rocky. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of my favorites of the year. I just didn't include it in this one. I was also alternate kinda, like, universe where Michael B. Jordan plays Lakeith Stanfield's role. Nice, yeah. That <laughs> that's an alternate universe. I would be interested in living in, even though Lakeith Stanfield played it perfectly. I would be interested to see. Oh yeah, I agree. That would have been awesome. But yeah, I I also feel like I did like I just talked about it so much. But yeah, it's definitely definitely one of my favorites of the year as well. Amazing. My three was mid nineties, directed by Jonah Hill. Yay, go Jonah. Um, this film is amazing, spectacular. Um, I had reservations going into it because I was like, ah, is Jonah Hill really going to create a great film? And he did. The skate scenes were fantastic. 
I enjoyed watching them a lot, but more so than anything, it's just like growing up and it's another one of those films that kind of came out this year. There were a lot, I feel like, that were like, oh, like, why are guys fucked up? And then it was just like, oh, this is why, because they grow up this way. Like, kind of eighth grade was similar to that. Like, why are people fucked up? Um, What was the other one? I feel like I had another one that was similar to that. Have uh, a drink, guys, because I loved the lead little boy, another fantastic child actor. Yeah. <laughs> he was so good. Yeah, he was in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Which, like, I didn't realize yeah, he was right. hugely in that movie. He was also in Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. He was? Yeah, he was one of the kids that, like, when, when his when his uh, wheelchair crashes in the street. Oh, that's so <laughs> sick. Isn't his name, like, Sunny something? Yeah, Sunny Sufchek, I think, or something like oh, that. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, damn, yeah, Nikkel Smith was amazing in it. People have been talking about his performances pretty widely. I thought the script for this film was awesome. Lucas Hedges is just one of the best actors of our generation, probably, at this point. We've talked about him so much. But he just plays, like, the bully brother so well, and just with such a darkness. Um... And I didn't really know exactly where the film was going to go or, like, what I wanted from the film. And then at the end of it, I was like, wow, this is perfect. Like, I literally was at the end of that film, like, damn. Made me laugh. It made me cry. I got to watch cool skate videos. Oh, it made you cry? The soundtrack was amazing. Search it on Spotify. It really felt brutal to me, like, the brother on brother. Do you have a brother? Yeah. Did, Did he beat you up? Or you, did you beat him? Beat up on him. You did. Is he li- your little brother? Yeah. Well, he's not littler than me now. Uh, he's taller than you. Uh, yeah, by like six inches. How old is he? Uh, he's twenty. And don't you have a sister too? I do not have a sister. Why did I think that? You have one brother. I just have a brother. Okay, cool. Goes to Penn State. So, did you relate to the brother and brother? fighting yeah no i feel i felt like shit watching it and i was i feel guilty about beating up on my brother as a kid and i've like talked to him about it but like i don't know we're definitely close now but like i was just like a loser beat up on my brother (laughs) like that's like what you are if you beat up on people like you're a loser like if you beat up on somebody who's smaller than you or you beat up women or you beat up anybody like you just, like, have this emptiness in you that mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I need to get this out. And it's totally. just, like, never okay. And it's just shitty. Yeah. I really appreciate that Jonah Hill, like, he's always kind of been someone who wasn't going to stay in one lane, you know? He could have just been this comedy guy, and then he did these dramatic films and, you know, got nominated for two Oscars, and then he still didn't want to even stay in that lane of just being an actor, even if he was in many genres he wanted to direct, and I really admire that, because people always want to put you in, like, one place and leave you there, and even if this movie wasn't, like, nominated for Oscars, I could definitely see maybe his next one or his whatever, and of course, the Oscars don't even matter anyway, but... But I like like the fact that it wasn't Oscar bait, and that he didn't, like... Like, yeah, he obviously hoped to be in the Oscar conversation, but, like, now it's just, like, Jonah Hill made a cool-ass film that, like, no critics really gave him a ton of credit for, and it's just probably going to go down as a great film that talks about the 90s and one of the great, like, first 90s films. Yeah, I I, I like the uniqueness of it. 
What was your number three? Annihilation. Word, I love this film. Me too. This movie was my favorite movie of the year was when I saw it. It was came out about a year ago now. And I it stayed high on the list all year long. I mean it it, it was knocked off by something, obviously, because it's not it was knocked off by two films because it's not my number one, but you know, all these other films, I really didn't enjoy them as much as I enjoyed Annihilation, especially my first viewing of it was just so, uh, you know, it was more intense for me by far than anything in Hereditary. I was blown away by the creativity of it, the uniqueness. There are so many like scenes, set pieces, shots that if you just froze them would be like perfect for MoMA or something like that. Or if you took the set pieces out and put them in a museum, they would fit perfectly. I've always been a huge fan of Natalie Portman. I love Oscar Isaac. Tessa Thompson was wonderful in it. And I love this like team of intense women going into this crazy situation and kicking ass and trying to solve it. And the mystery of people who either die in this bubble I'm not even going to even try to explain like the whole thing of what it is you guys just need to watch it. yeah like, you need to just watch it films that you just have to watch yeah but you know the the mystery it's such a mystery like it's so mysterious of what is going on in this in this dome that's overtaking this part of the world and you know if these women are going to die if they're going to get picked off one by one how exactly you know like how there's so many things going on there's creatures that are not like creatures we have outside of the dome there's situations that you would never be in there are things you face that have never been seen before and literally like have never been seen before like I haven't seen some of the things I've seen in this movie and that's so unique because I watch so many movies and so many of them are the same or they have the same concept or the same framing or the same something it's truly a unique film this movie every minute I was like holy shit like they're okay someone finally has some new fucking ideas thank you like I mean I know it was based on a book but uh yeah like I was just completely like especially toward the end uh I don't even want to say anything about it because I don't want to give any of it away but I was literally like I was like short of breath I was like my hand over my mouth my eyes wide open like just it was like it was like I was starving and then I finally got to eat or something like yeah because you find you're starving because they wouldn't show you Oscar Isaacs enough. <laughs> you were like, I need to see him. Right, Are I was hiding him. <laughs> I do love. I mean, he is. Yes, he's so handsome. But what I mean is, like, I was dying to see the yeah. next second of the movie. Every second, I was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! What's gonna happen next? And I had no idea. Like, literally, no idea what was gonna happen next. And normally, I predict everything in movies because, like I said, so many movies are very, very similar to other movies. So. For the uniqueness alone, the visual effects, the production design, I just absolutely loved this movie. It it absolutely thrilled me. The other person who was brilliant in it was Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, yeah. This is a perfect sci-fi thriller. It's almost horror. The sound design, I cannot believe the sound was not nominated. Yeah, honestly, that's bullshit. <laughs> I cannot believe, like, for both, mixing and editing. I mean, it's just such a it's like a one-of-a-kind movie and i can't wait to watch it again i absolutely love it it is also on hulu so fuck yeah hulu fuck yeah hulu we're gonna take a quick break because i have to pee and i think we're at an hour for this slot i have to pee too thank you 
All right. <laughs> we back. Um, So you were just on your third? Did you just do your third? I just did my third. What's your third? Um, I did my third already. Oh, what's your second? Uh, I think I'm just going to do my second and first and just spoil it for all of the listeners. Because they're both films that I don't really need to talk about because we've already talked about them. Cool. So I think I am just going to go ahead and say my number two is If Beale Street Can Talk. And my number one is Roma. I mean, who can argue with that? Yeah. And I've already <laughs> talked about how much I love those two films and just how beautiful they are photographed and the great yeah. acting performances. And they both have scenes that are probably the best scenes of the year. Like, and best score of the year in Beale Street. Yeah. Very much so. Like the Roma scene, I won't spoil it. And the If Beale Street Could Talk, Brian Tyree Henry scenes are mm-hmm. amazing scenes. And it's just a pleasure that we got some of the greatest directors of our time to make great films and give us interesting stories. And that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah. That's my top 20. What is your number two? We would gush, you guys, but we did an episode on both of those movies. So if you want to hear more thoughts, just go back to the list and pick those out. It's criminal that If Beale Street Can Talk is not nominated for best picture yeah like i don't get the best picture i mean i don't know <laughs> the oscars are the oscars what can we say i like i don't even know at this point the, especially this year how much they've like fucked everything up and just like you know oh we're gonna have a category called best popular film and then everyone hates it oh actually we're not oh Slash kevin hart's a. gonna host mm, no actually he's not uh, now no one's going to host. Okay, great. Fine. Whatever. Uh, but we're not going to present some of the most important categories. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? You can't do that. Oh, okay, we won't. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a mess. I don't know, man. Trash. We'll be exci- I'm excited to see how the show will actually turn out. Because there's just been so much weirdness that it's like... Who knows at this point? Who the freak knows? That's why we have our own Oscars right here on Movie Cinema Film. Exactly. So, my number two yeah. is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Weird. <laughs> Did you ever end up seeing it? Uh, I started watching it, and then I had to stop because I was enjoying it on the plane, and then I knew that I wasn't going to have enough time to finish it on the plane. Oh, man. Because it was like 30 minutes left uh, on the flight, and I just started the movie. That's disappointing. So don't spoil it for me, please. Oh, I won't. I will not spoil it, but I do want to say a few words about the power of this film. First of all, I love early 90s New York and the way they film it, the way they portray that. The way they portray being a gay person and trying to navigate that. The way that this movie portrays the friendship between Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant. Like I said, his performance in this movie is my favorite performance of the year. I said that, I think, in our last episode about the Oscar nominees. His performance absolutely killed me, like, to my core. And I have thought about it almost every day since I've seen the movie, which was back in October. Yeah, you were telling me about it for so long. Yeah, it's one of the first, like, Oscar contenders I saw this year, and it just... Wow, like, uh, I, the way they portray this friendship of, like, these two people that are so damaged and fucked up, and the way they accept each other as people who are not perfect, 
and they don't have this glamorous life and they don't have everything they wish they had and they're not the people that they want to be and they just accept each other like we are all living in our own filth in some way or another <laughs> like we are and and the acceptance of that and the way that they have this friendship that's like I love you but fuck you and then also the reverse fuck you but also I love you that's like a very real dynamic in friendship that is like not often portrayed in movies that well and the <laughs> the struggles of these people are like at the surface all the time. Like the pain is on their face and the, 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 uh, my favorite scene is when, you know, she doesn't even realize how bad her apartment smells because she lives in it. Yeah. And he, it, like she realizes it and then she's so embarrassed and he leaves, but then he knocks on the door and comes back and says, like, oh, well, I'll help you clean it. Like, a lot of people would run away, but he accepts her for what she is. Like, he like he accepts that she's so... Uh, she's, she's in such tremendous pain that she can't even clean her apartment. And people do what they need to do in life. People do what they need to do to survive their day. Sometimes you cannot get through the day unless you do something wrong. Or you do something that's bad for you. So whether that's having a drink or sleeping with someone or... <laughs> forging letters and selling them <laughs> which is the very specific act in this movie that this this movie's about you can't like that's how she has to pay her rent she's struggling and that's what she has to do and it's that acceptance of okay you're not really hurting anyone because these people think they're getting this great letter that they've always wanted and and you're getting to pay your rent and she's not extravagant she's not buying herself you know uh first class plane tickets she's 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 trying to make it she's trying to get by and like they both understand about each other these are the things you need to do to survive your day and get through your life and I'm going to help you and support you along the way and these performances are so good Melissa McCarthy proves again that she is one of the best actresses of her generation not just comedically but dramatically as well and every Every moment is so felt. It's so real. It's pitch perfect. And there's even tension like when she's when she's taking documents out to like forge these letters and make them even more realistic than they already are. It's like they magically create this tension. It's like the stakes are not that high because if she gets caught, like what is she going to do? They're going to ask her to leave the library or or like she's not at the library. She's at some headquarters of something. But like okay so they ask her to leave like even if they said we're gonna call the cops they can't physically hold her there like she could just leave the yeah. you know, like it's not that big of a deal she or she could just say oh I misplaced that paper I didn't mean to put it in my bag and even if they knew she was lying they can't prove it like what's the big deal it's not that tense but somehow when she's taking the paper out and you're like oh my god oh my god and you're rooting for her even though she's deceiving people that's those to me are the best performances of you know <laughs> It's like Walter White, you know, at a certain point, you probably turned your back on him. But for a while in Breaking Bad, I'm like, I'm with him. I get it. He wants to make sure his family has money. He's dying. I'm, I'm there. OK, I get it. You know what I mean? Like you're with him. And, and this she's obviously nowhere near as bad as Walter White at all. But you, you're there with these characters 100 percent. And the, their relationship and friendship is the most beautiful thing in the world. I think it's what helps us all. It's what keeps us all going is our friends and our friends belief in us and the ups and downs of their friendship. Oh, it's so good. And so, so authentic. And I just love this movie so much. Meryl Heller did a incredible job directing. 
And across the board, I just, I love this. And I love what it says about humanity, being a human being, being a person. Word. Yay. What was your number one? I mean, you know what my number one is. First reformed. <laughs> what can I say? <sighs> Ethan Hawke, the greatest actor of all time, paired with Pablo Schrader. <laughs> Pablo is his Paul real name. Pablo Schrader. You guys, I uh, as soon as I saw this movie, I was completely floored by it. I Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver, if you guys don't know, among other things, but but Taxi Driver is my favorite thing that he's ever done. Yeah, classic. He uh, is back with this tenfold. I have always been a huge Ethan Hawke fan, and this is the role he was born to play. You know, he plays this Catholic priest who has given up on his belief in God, and he's just kind of going through the motions of, uh, you know, being the priest in this historic little church in New York. And the the thing I love about the screenplay and why it's nominated for um, original screenplay is the way that this movie, like, layers all the themes on top of each other so seamlessly somehow, like... You're like, okay, I get it. Like, he's he's a Catholic priest, but he doesn't believe anymore. I'm in. Like, this is really good. And then they layer on the level of the Amanda Seyfried character and how she is struggling at home with her husband. And, and you know, she reveals that she's pregnant very early on in the movie, but her husband wants to get an abortion. And you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's another thing he has to deal with. Like, that's really interesting. Let me go there. But then they add on the other level of he doesn't want to have a baby because the Climate earth... Climate change! <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you're like, oh, wow, okay. Like, I, this all was these... Al Gore's favorite movie this year. He loved it. I've I've been texting with him all so day. It's exhilarating. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just watched it a hundred times you guys but yeah so he so then there's that and then there's this other fascinating level of like this corporate greed of these these uh churches that you know hold five thousand people and seem more like walmarts than uh churches and uh cedric the entertainer playing this this uh really interesting character this guy who runs the church and you know, on one hand, it's like, oh, it's great because more people can come in and worship and like whatever. They have access to more things and they have this popularity and maybe they could do good things to that. But then also it's like the commercialization of religion and churches. And it's like, you know, you know, even sits there and says somebody has to do something. And it's like, the, that's the way I feel about the Oscars, basically. Somebody has to do something. Like, can somebody can someone come in and save this? But like I said, that that if I can name a key element of why this movie is really my favorite of the year is is the the structurally how well all these elements lay on top of each other and how well they go from scene to scene, how seamless it is, and how they they give each theme its due. There's nothing that's really like set up at the beginning and then dropped. Like it's all very succinct, and I love the cosmic, bizarre scene of them like laying on top of each other and drifting through time and space and I love the ending which I will not spoil if you haven't seen the movie it's definitely open to interpretation I've talked about it with so many people and I love talking about it every single time because so many people have different thoughts on it and yeah this was far and away my favorite movie of 2018 and I will always love it forever and ever amen the 15th best movie of the year 
No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, yours was number 15? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I loved it. I Yay. liked it. There were a lot of great films that connected with me in different ways. Honestly, if I watch this again, I might be inclined to move it up. Who knows? Yeah, that's the thing. It's really tough when you only have a year like to watch everything because there's so many there would be so many changes in this if i saw more movies plus if i saw a lot of these again a second time a third time you never know like and how films age is really yeah like in your own mind how they age like can you ever forgive me aged really well in my head like i for me i was like oh that friendship is amazing but the rest of the movie like i liked but i wasn't love as much as that and then over time like in my own mind it just grew and grew and grew and had more meaning and I think that's really like you you see what movies stand the test of time and it usually has nothing to do with Oscars. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um Anything else we want to say about 2018 in film? Nah. It was an I year in film. There were definitely great films and there were definitely more eh films. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I I think most films in general are okay. Like most films are not great or not really bad. Most films are okay. Very true. <laughs> this has been your episode of Movie Cinema Film, where most films are okay, and <laughs> the people who host this podcast are gorgeous, and I don't know. Thank you. Well, according to Bradley Cooper, that yeah, is Bradley a fact. Cooper really likes the way we look. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, come out to our show on Saturday, because I'm going to drop this night. podcast by then. Thank you so much to Jordan, by the way, who edits all of our episodes and posts them does all the production uh arranges all the ads and everything i mean i basically just sit here and talk just rattle my mouth off constantly and he does the real work so thank you jordan i appreciate it no thank you for talking movies if anybody wants an audio producer or editor for their podcast um i am contracting myself out though all so right, you got to pay him. Just keep that, keep that in mind. Yeah, pay him good, guys. He's pay awesome. Me so that I could just do stuff like this. Shout but. out to uh, Kelly K. Blake and Brandon O'Brien, regular listeners of this podcast. We love you guys. You guys are what make us MVP. wake up in the morning. Oh, complete, yeah, totally. Them and Heather. I mean, basically, yeah, that's yeah. the trifecta. Yeah, we'll be performing. Me and Jordan and a bunch of our amazing, talented friends and colleague comedians on Saturday, February twenty third, eight p.m. Rhino Comedy. 96 Lafayette Street, Suffer, New York. Whoop, whoop. See you there. Watch some movies. Watch the Oscars. Yeah, do, watch the movies. And then after the show, come talk to us and we will uh, give you this podcast live in person. Yes, we do retellings. <laughs> word for word. Yes. We memorize everything we say here and then we, we say it back. We were just that in love with ourselves. Regurge. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Leah. Bye, guys. <laughs>